0: Good morning. I want to welcome you today. We're glad to see you in this service. And also we want to welcome those who are worshiping with us online today. Suddenly my voice came on. Did you notice that? Did y'all know I'm a ventriloquist? I can just throw my voice wherever I want it to go and... Hopefully, (laughs) you'd like for me to throw my voice. That's what you'd like, because then I'd be through much quicker. Anyway, I'm glad that you're here. Now, have you noticed the post-it notes? Did they tell you about that? You might have come in after they mentioned them. Did you see those post-it notes everywhere on the wall? Anybody notice those? You are not very observant, folks, are you? You just... You kind of come in with your eyes shut, start drinking coffee, try to wake up, right? Well, what happened is we're having 21 days of prayer, and so uh, these they gave us the opportunity to go out and take post-it notes and pray. And so these things are all over the church. You see them everywhere. In fact, I was in the last service, and this really happened. I noticed somebody was praying for the air conditioner because there was one on the thermostat in the back of the room back there at 830. No lie. I don't know whether they wanted it cooler or hotter. I just made that note. And then when I was praying the other day, somebody put one on me. They, <laughs> I don't know what they were praying, at least at the time, but then when I left, I was walking out to my truck, and the thing fell off of my shirt, and I, before I could catch it, I stepped on it out there going to my truck, and so I, this really happened. I reached down, and I, and I took it off the bottom of my shoe so I wouldn't, you know, leave it out there in the road and make trash, and it's even got a tread mark on it, and it occurred to me they must have been praying for my soul. I'm sorry, I apologize. It's just the way I think. What can I say? You know, it just occurred to me that was it. So today we're talking about miracles of protection. We're talking about prayer. And I want to tell you a story about some folks who are riding on a train. Now, they make these trains. I don't know if you've ever seen them. They make these trains where people sit and face each other, right? So you got two people here, two people here, and they're looking at each other. And on this particular train, there was a colonel. And then his young officer was sitting next to him. And then there was an elderly woman who was an aunt and her young niece who was an adult, a young woman, was sitting across from that young officer. And they're riding along on the train. And the young officer is looking at that pretty young woman. And he's thinking to himself, I wonder if I'll ever get the opportunity to give her a kiss. And she's riding on the train and she's looking at the young officer and she's thinking to herself, I wonder if that young officer will try to kiss me. And so then the opportunity comes along. They go through a long, dark tunnel, and you hear two sounds, a kiss and a slap. And then they come out of the tunnel. And the aunt is thinking to herself, I know what happened. That young officer, he, she, he kissed my niece, and she slapped him. That's what happened. And the niece is thinking to herself, I know that young officer kissed me, but I wonder who slapped him. And the colonel is thinking to himself, Now, I know my young officer kissed that beautiful young woman, but why did she slap me? (laughs) And the young officer is the only one who knows what really happened because in the protection of the darkness of that tunnel, he was able to kiss a pretty girl and slap his colonel all at the same time. Now, everybody here needs protection at one time or another, right? Would you say amen to that? Yeah. We all need protection, don't we? There are different things that occur in life, and we're turning to God and looking for that protection. We talked about a couple of weeks ago how God has power over darkness and then last week we talked about how he has power for healing didn't we we had a special time to pray and today we're talking about his protection over us have you ever gone in years ago maybe when you were in school or maybe now and you say, now lord i know i didn't study for this test the way i should have But if you'll just help me get through this one, I promise I'll study harder next time, right? Or maybe you're driving down the road and you see the blue lights behind you and you realize that you're going a little too fast. Now, Lord, if you'll just get me out of this ticket, I promise that I'll slow down from here on. Or maybe back in the day... You said, now, Lord, I'll promise I won't drink too much again if you'll just get me through this episode, right? Because you made that poor choice, right? Well, God is there, and sometimes he says, you know, I'll bless you. Sometimes he intervenes. Sometimes he chooses not to intervene at that time. But he will protect, save, and deliver us. In fact, the psalmist says this, the Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. And so we have a God who is our fortress, who rescues us. Now, I can't tell you how many times... God has protected me. I've told you before, I wanted to marry this girl. I I found her. I said, now, God, I found the girl I'm supposed to marry in case you didn't know. And so if you'll just work out the details for this, you know, we'll get together. And he said, who are you talking to? What do you think you're in charge or something? And that wasn't who I was supposed to marry. And she was supposed to marry somebody else, and I was supposed to marry Laura. And I'm so grateful for that. I remember when we were going through infertility, and I went to the Emmaus Walk. And this guy stood up at the Emmaus Walk, and he said, my wife and I couldn't have kids, and it was my fault. And he said, I didn't realize it. I didn't realize why I was doing what I was doing. But he said, in counseling, I discovered later that I had an affair to prove that I was a man. And this guy's the last guy. If you looked at this guy, he's a quiet accountant. He lived in Montgomery. And he's not the kind of guy that you're thinking of that would do something like that. He didn't really understand it all. It wasn't something he planned But it was something that he did. And I thought, you know, that could have been me. But it wasn't. And I'm just so grateful. In my ministry, I moved. And I I didn't know it was time to move, but God did. And I would look back and I would see in hindsight, you know, God did that at just the right time. It was just the right time. I didn't see it. But God saw. He just blessed me that way. He's protected me, and I'm grateful for that. And so I want to talk today about a God who can protect us. There's two big thoughts, okay? The first one is long before you face a problem, God already has a plan. Long before you face a problem, God already has a plan. Now, I came back and I told you that Laura and I went with another couple in the church, and we went to see the ark this past summer, right, up in Kentucky. You see the ark there? How many of you have been to see the ark in Kentucky? It's between Lexington and Cincinnati. Now, this thing is 85 feet wide, okay? It's 51 feet high, and it's 510 feet Long. That's, that's over a football field and a half. It's even longer than that. It's huge. It's three stories. And when you go to it, you can see how the, the whole deal about Noah and the ark and the animals could work. I don't think they took full-grown elephants on the ark. I think they took the babies and they got them together, right? Because, I mean, but they had cages in there. They had a way that they could feed and water all the animals. And it would take them a while. They even had ways that maybe they could grow crops up there. And it's amazing how they were able to do things. They didn't have any of the technology we have today. The Amish built this. They got the Amish to build this thing. And they didn't use a lot of modern tools. They did it, you know, by hand, really. And so it's amazing amazing to go see it, and it just makes that story come alive. Now, thinking about this point of God has a plan before you have a problem, some scriptural examples would be long before God flooded the earth, he planned for Noah and his family and the animals to be on the boat. Before Jonah was ever thrown overboard, God had a plan for a big fish to swallow him up and deposit him on dry land. Long before the Israelites had the Egyptians behind them, they had the mountains beside them, they had the sea before them, God had a plan to part the Red Sea and they could walk across on dry land so that they would be delivered. There are so many things that God has a plan and you and I just need to find his plan. Today, you might be here and you've heard bad news about your health. or Maybe you've lost your job or maybe there's a girl or a guy who's broken your heart. Or maybe, you know, you're just wondering what's going to come next. Well, God has a plan. What do we know about God? We know that he can miraculously rescue, save, and protect us. All he's got to do is command his angels. He can just do that with his word, and it can happen. He can shut the mouths of angry lions, and he can calm the storm. Long before you ever face a problem, he's got a plan. So I'm going to show you an interesting story about the Apostle Paul today, and it's taken from Acts, the 16th chapter. Let me give you the context. There was this slave girl, and she was demon-possessed, and she was predicting the future. And there were some guys she was working for, and that was a very lucrative thing for them because she would predict the future, and people would pay her to do that. And so they were making a lot of money off this poor girl. And she's around Paul and Silas, and at first she's just kind of a nuisance. But then finally they get serious about her, and they pray for her, and she is delivered. They cast the demon out of her. Now, the guys who are making a profit off of her are upset then. They're ticked off about it. And so they respond in such a way that they begin to... Tell everybody lies about Paul and Silas, which creates a riot, and they become victims of the riot. And the scripture says the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Now, what do we see here? We see these two guys who are serving God faithfully. They're just doing what God asked them to do, They're unfairly accused, they're wrongly stripped of their clothing, they're flogged, they're beaten severely with wooden rods, and they haven't done anything wrong. Now, if you're Paul, you might be thinking, God, that's not fair, I'm a Roman citizen, and I'm not supposed to be treated this way. And and you need to do something, it was illegal to do that to a Roman citizen. Now, I'm hoping most of you haven't been stripped and beaten physically. But maybe you're here today and you have been stripped of your hope. Maybe you had faith. Maybe you trusted God. But then something happened in your life, and that was just stripped away. Others of you, maybe you're here today because you've not been beaten with a club, but you've been beaten with words. Somebody has said something ugly to you, and they've hurt you and offended you. Or maybe you've done it to yourself because we beat ourselves up often, talking to ourselves, telling ourselves how sorry we are, and it's a lie from the pit. You feel like you've been stripped of what you once held dear, and you just want to be restored again. Think about Paul. He was doing what God called him to do, and publicly, he was painfully tortured and beaten. Now, if he were like those of us today, what might he say to God? God, that's not fair. You didn't protect me, and you said you would. So what did the apostle Paul do when God, quote, let him down? When he wasn't protected, I'll tell you exactly what Paul did. Paul did what people do today. He quit his life group. He stopped praying. He stopped going to church. And he only listened to secular music from that point on, right? Because he's going to show God. I'll just show you. You treat me that way. I'll let you know. That's not what Paul did, is it? In Acts, it says, about midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. You see, even after they'd been treated that way, what were they doing? They were worshiping God. And they were a witness to the jail. And then it says after God didn't miraculously protect them, what are they? They're singing, they're worshiping, they're giving praise. They're lifting their hearts and voices to God. And it says this, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And they're thinking to themselves, how can these guys do this after the way they've been treated? I love what God does in our lives. You see, He could have intervened, but He had a plan. And so He didn't do it that way. A few minutes later, God didn't protect them early on, He didn't deliver them from the flogging, the beating they got. But he did show up and perform a miracle when they got in jail because what happened was there was an earthquake. It said suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. Now, what is a miracle? The first week we defined what a miracle is. We said it's simply when the God of heaven intervenes on earth. And that's what he was doing there. Earlier, God didn't do a miracle, but now he does do a miracle. You see that? And what's so interesting was that Paul and Silas didn't wait till God did a miracle to praise him. They just went ahead and praised him right then. In other words, we praise God when we feel like it and when we don't. If I were in a Baptist church, I would have gotten an amen by now for that. See, because we've been coming to 21 days of prayer. Now, if you've been coming to 21 days of prayer, just, just give a little shout out about how great it is. You having a good time doing it? Yeah. It's great, isn't it? And you come at 6 o'clock in the morning. Let me ask you a question. When your alarm goes off at 5 or 4.30, whenever it goes, do you always just jump out of bed saying, I can't wait to get down there and pray? Is it? Because most of you are just holy, right? You know? And you're ready to do that. There's been some mornings you know, when I was a little bit tired. But I really enjoy the prayer time, and I say, no, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go because it, it's a blessing. I'm going to do it, and I'm always thankful when I do. But on occasion, you know, at my advanced age, there are times when I get a little bit tired. I don't know. It just happens. Some of you probably, that doesn't happen to you, but it does to me. But we come anyway, don't we? And we worship him whether we feel like it or not. Sometimes we just offer him a sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of praise is saying, hey, whether I feel like it or not, I am going to praise him today. And I'm going to praise him even if I feel like I'm in the valley today. Sometimes we're praying and praying and God says, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to stop praying for a minute and I want you to start praising. Just go ahead because you know you've prayed and you've told me what you need. And you know I'm a God who answers prayer because I'm the one who put it on your heart to begin with so that I could answer it. So I want you to just start praising me, even before the answer comes. And, and that's Paul and Silas were doing that. They were praising God. Some of you may need to take a little time today because you need to spend a little time praising God. Now, they're in the middle of prison. It, it's midnight, and God shows up there with an earthquake. And the jailer is concerned now because the, the prison doors are open. And he thinks that the prisoners have left. And he's responsible for them. So the Bible says he takes out his sword, and he's about to kill himself. And Paul and Silas said, no, no, don't don't do that. We're still here. We didn't leave. We're right here. And that jailer looks at them and he says, hey, listen, I know this God that you've got has got to be real. I want to know more about him. And so the Bible says that Paul and Silas lead the jailer to the Lord. He becomes a Christian. But not only him. His entire family gets saved. Now let me ask you a question. What if they hadn't been in jail? What if they didn't get beaten and flogged and put in jail? That earthquake came, but there wasn't anybody there to witness to the jailer. See, the jailer had been listening to them. He'd been watching them. He said, there's something different about these folks. They're not typical prisoners. There's something special about them. And now God gets his attention, and it just opens the door because God's been preparing this guy's heart. And he's ready to respond now. Now, let me tell you something. There are times in our lives when things like that happen. Something bad happens and we think, well, God, what are you doing? Are you not paying attention? Don't you realize I'm trying to serve you? But he's got a plan down the road. He didn't create that bad thing, but he allowed it. And he'll use it for his purposes and his benefit if we just let him. And so we praise him and we celebrate who he is. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you prayed for a job and it's the job you wanted and you were just so excited about that job and you didn't get that job. God, I prayed for the job. Why didn't you get on board? Are you not paying attention? But then you get a job somewhere else and the people who took that job, they get laid off and then nobody's there and they don't have work and now you've got work. So you need to listen. Somebody might want to give him praise today because he didn't answer one of your prayers the way you wanted him to. Did you ever pray a prayer and you thought, this is the way I want it? And then later on, you look back in hindsight, thank you, Lord, that you didn't answer it that way. You answered it a different way. That's right. Because, you know, we don't know. We can't see, can we? But when we got a problem, he's got a plan. Now, the second thing, sometimes God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. See, we got temporary plans. He's got eternal plans. And so there wasn't the only time Paul was arrested. In fact, scholars tell us that Paul spent about five and a half to six years in prison. And God used that in a powerful way. He used a lot of that for him to write most of the New Testament from prison. He wanted to preach to the people in Rome. But God said, no, I want you to write most of the New Testament. And we're still talking about Paul today because he did that, aren't we? Just think about the many, many people he influenced. Paul was in prison, and Nero was there. And he was tried there for being faithful to Jesus, and he was found to be guilty. Now, they couldn't crucify him because he was a Roman citizen, so they beheaded him. Now, what could have happened is God could have called down an angel to protect him, but he didn't do that. He allowed him to be killed. God always has a plan. Sometimes we don't realize what that is, but he's got a higher purpose. When the baby you've prayed for doesn't come or when the baby comes and you lose the baby, you know, you wonder, I, I, this is so painful. How could God allow this to happen? But you, And you don't pretend that, that you're not hurting, but you just know God is going to use that. And then you're able to help other people down the road. Not only do you trust him and worship him, When things go well, but you do that when things don't go so well. Because we're worshiping him no matter what. We serve a God who can protect us. So we pray for our spouses. We pray for our marriages. We pray for our friends and our children. We pray for those we work with. Before we face a problem, God has a plan. Now listen, I don't know about you. But I would rather hurt under the will of God than live in comfort outside of it. I'd rather do that because I want to be in his will. Now, let me tell you what Paul never said. Some of us might have said it, but he never said this. He never said, this isn't fair or forget you, God, or I'm never going back to church as long as I live. But let me tell you what he did say. I rejoice in suffering. I delight in hardships and persecution and difficulties because whenever I am weak, then God makes me strong. Isn't that a blessing? And then in Romans, he said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And then he says, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In other words, I'm not going to let anything separate me from God. I don't care what it is. I'm not going to let anything separate me from God. Because he's working in the breakups and the breakdowns. He's working in the losses and the wins. He's working when things happen the way we want and when they don't happen the way we want. And listen, God may not always protect us in the way we think. I mean, the Apostle Paul was executed. But he said, I won't ever leave you. I'll be with you no matter what you face. When, Timothy, when, when uh, Stephen was being stoned, He was looking up to heaven. He was looking up to heaven, and he knew that God was present with him there. He could see him. And so he'll always be present with us. Years ago, I was serving a church in Navarre, Florida, and there was a guy in the church who worked in Fort Walton Beach. And he had a job in a big business there, and he was the CFO. He was the chief financial officer. And his boss, the CEO, he came to him, and he said, I want you to sign this document. He said, that's not true. Financially, that's not true. I can't sign that. He said, I want you to sign it. He said, I'm not going to sign it. You sign it. He said, I wouldn't do it. He said, it's not true. I'm not going to do it. He said, if you don't sign it, I'm going to fire you. He said, well, you do what you got to do, but I'm not signing that thing. And he wouldn't sign it. He came to me and talked to me about it. And that guy fired him. And they put all his stuff in a little box and he had to walk out to a bunch of people in there in that big office. And some of them knew what was going on. But he said, I'm I'm a Christian. I'm not going to do that. Some months went by. I prayed with that guy. He got a new job, a better job. And that boss who wanted him to sign that thing, he went to jail. Because he was corrupt. He was doing the wrong thing. Now, in the midst of it, You can't always see God's plan, can you? I mean, who wants to get up and say, I'd like to be fired today, really, you know? But you know, God used it. And and that guy was a witness to everybody in that company because word spread he wouldn't do what he, he thought was wrong, and it was wrong because he was a Christian. And God used that in a tremendous way. He didn't want to get fired, but God had a plan when he had a problem. He's got the same thing for you and me. Let's pray together. Father, we're just so grateful that you do have a plan. And Lord, we don't always understand it, but we don't have to. So we just trust you and thank you. You are a blessing to us, and we just want you to work in our lives however you see fit. I pray in your son's name. Amen.